Hello, hello, hello! You're listening to Big Easy Ideas, a podcast that features live recordings from New Orleans Entrepreneur Week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, or NOE as the locals like to call it, is an annual event across the city of New Orleans every March and is a celebration of startups, innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's next. Learn more and check out ways to get involved at neworleansentrepreneurweek.org or noew.org. And now, on to today's episode. I hope you've been enjoying listening to all the incredible Noe speakers featured in this podcast so far. I'm Valeria Ali, Strategic Marketing Associate at the Idea Village, and I'm thrilled to be your host for Season 4, Entrepreneurs. This is a term we've coined as one of the eight themes explored at Noe 2023. Throughout this season, we will focus on how innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship manifest through the food, beverage, and hospitality industries. As a foodie and entrepreneur myself, this is arguably one of my favorite seasons of Big Easy Ideas, and I believe it's the perfect content to share New Orleans entrepreneurship conversations with the world. Because who doesn't love food? Since our last season, our team successfully completed another New Orleans Entrepreneur Week in March 2023. We've been working diligently to turn the 70-plus sessions and 210 speakers over six days into fresh episodes of Big Easy Ideas for you to enjoy. This year, we're thrilled to have over 4,000 people register for NOE, and our team counted over 2,700 in attendance throughout the NOE week. Whether you joined us in person or you want to join us in person next March, be sure to sign up through the website. N-O-E-W.org. To stay updated on the latest, including when dates and themes are announced for 2024. On this episode, you'll have the opportunity to hear from some of New Orleans' top entrepreneurs. Moderating the discussion is T. Martin from the award-winning restaurant Commander's Palace. Joining her are Edgar Duke Chase IV from Chase Hospitality Group and Robert LeBlanc from LeBlanc Plus Smith. Together, they will share their experiences of owning and running a restaurant in the post-pandemic era and discuss the future of hospitality in a tech-forward world. If you enjoy, be sure to share this episode with a friend. And lastly, but most importantly, happy listening. So start with me. You gentlemen are redefining restaurants, you know, and how food service is expanding its boundaries. Talk to me about what ideas born out of necessity during the pandemic have lived on in your business post-pandemic. Doug, you want to start? Yeah, you know, for us at Ducky's and and for all restaurants, actually, during the pandemic, when you went from uh, serving not only locals and a whole influx of tourists to no tourists at all, 
you had to figure out a way to survive. So we started with the curbside takeout, like many of us. And then we moved on into a family meal, which we would do a packaged meal that would feed four to six people throughout the week daily. And we kept that going. Not only did we follow your lead with Gold Belly, this is, allows the restaurant to ship your authentic cuisine coming out of your restaurant kitchen all over the world. And that's been one huge help when you think. So you can get gumbo everywhere. And, and you think of that. That's why my gumbo sales on Gold Belly dropped. Not, not, yeah. Mm, just, not at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but some of those innovations that allow you to, to operate and touch many more guests out of your same building allows you just to grow that revenue and strategize in different lanes of opportunities. So it's been great. You've had so much going on. I mean, the, the commissary was sort of new to me. Commissary. We opened up a commissary where, where we can do a lot of USDA packaged food. So now you're thinking wholesale. We're, we're slowly getting into the retail where we can go in grocery stores. So it, it really broadened our horizon to say, okay, if people are not coming to our establishment because they can't, how do we get out into that community? And it's yeah. just opened up so many opportunities yeah. for us. Amazing. Yeah. You know, grandma would be proud. Robot, you did so many interesting things during all this. Please share. We knew labor would be a challenge. So what we decided to do was pay fewer people more money. And so we studied Toyota manufacturing systems, Toyota production systems. It's called Lean. And it's basically this idea of seeing and eliminating waste and constant process improvement. And so through that process, we were able to accomplish fewer sales, but we paid more people more money. And we actually ended up generating more profits on fewer sales because they were so much uh, more productive with their time and their hours worked. What it has done for us secondarily is it's also developed great leaders that have allowed us to expand and open new places with managing partners. So people who were in our system helped us rebuild after COVID and learn this Toyota production system, this lean operation model, have gone on to be managing partners of Anna's Will on the Way, Barrel Proof Nashville. So I think that's the first thing that we learned. The second thing that we learned is um, how people access great food is opened wide up, right? You guys are doing Gold Belly. You guys, two of the best restaurants in the city, you can get it on Gold Belly. What we did was we started trying to deliver great food in more casual settings. So um, we opened Barracuda Taco Bar. I guess it would be called Fast Casual Counter Service. And the cooks bring it out to you. So the cooks are in the tip pool. So the cooks are making more money now. Same thing with Barrel Proof, Anna's, and The Will on the Way. It's a much more casual style. It's not as driven by waiters taking care of you tableside. The bartenders take your orders. But they have to be just as knowledgeable as our waiters at Sylvain and Chloe. And our culinary team is the one running out and engaging with the guests. And so what that's allowed us to do is pay fewer people more money, but it also has allowed us to cross-train people. What we're learning is we have great people from the culinary side who are brilliant business minds, who are now taking the lead and are now partners, and I don't know that we would have seen that. Conversely, we have some bartenders who have revealed themselves to be excellent engineers, and so they've been really good at process improvement, so now they're helping to streamline culinary operations. So it's been a really insightful journey for us, and I think out of tremendous tragedy, great opportunity is born. I think COVID forced us to look at the world that way, and that gave us tremendous opportunity on the other side. Can you dig into that a little bit? Like, if I am correct, at Sylvain, for example, like, everybody makes $30,000, period, in a story. Is it something like that? Yes. That, that, that was the core foundation of it. What it has altered to, so some people don't want to work 40-hour weeks. So those people who don't want to make work 40-hour weeks, 
they make a, a base hourly that's much higher than the two thirteen or the five dollars they would have made previously. But they're in the tip pool, back of house, same thing. It ends up to where front of house and back of house makes about $26, $27 an hour on average. And that's significantly higher for both of them. And the reason why that's possible is because we don't have as many people to employ. And we didn't let people go. We just don't have, you guys know, the labor market's really tight. So we have to accomplish things with fewer people. But because of that, and because they're so efficient, based on getting more organized and constantly, look, I love our industry, but you guys know it's the epitome of doing dumb things the same way over and over again, because that's how they were always done. And so we didn't have the people to be able to do those dumb things anymore. So we had to cut out the dumb things we we're asking people to do and just focus on the things that really move the needle. And that's allowed us to be as productive and, and more profitable on a profit margin standpoint with fewer people who are paid more money. But those people are all seen as leaders. You know, we say this all the time at Sylvain, before COVID, five people had keys to the restaurant. Now 18 people have keys to the restaurant and it might be up to 22 people now. And so where there was five people who could count the cash or who could run a shift or close or place an order, we literally have 18 people now who take responsibility for the restaurant. And it's been tremendous for our productivity, but it's also been tremendous for their growth and development because they're taking on projects like drainage projects or a roof replacement as a result of, of the storm. And in those small projects that they're accomplishing, they're learning how to be leaders, how to be owners, how to be developers. And so what we really tried to do to sum it up is we tried to create a culinary school and a business school in our restaurants and bars, but instead of paying $50,000 a year to go someplace else to get that degree, you make $50,000 a year plus learning how to operate a bar or a restaurant, but also learning how to operate an organization, leadership, developing vision and values, and we're open source with everything. We share the numbers. We always talk about why we're doing what we're doing. So it's been this really insightful discovery that has really led to our growth. You asked how we keep growing in these tough times, and it's just because we've got really good leaders, but that was forced upon us. I don't know that we saw that happening, and it wasn't intentional, but it's certainly been a beneficial consequence. Well, you filled your pipeline, you know, and these guys know we won't get into the intricacies of it, but the tipping laws are well-intended and ridiculous. So if you work in a kitchen, you're not supposed to get a tip because you're, in theory, not serving the customer. So you worked around some of that. Yeah, so the, so they are serving the customer now. You know, so our culinary team, and it's fun for them because they're not stuck in the kitchen all the time. They get to see the joy that they create for people yeah. on a nightly basis, and you can take that for granted. You know, we see it all the time in the front of the house, but the team in the back of the house deserves to see that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Tuck, I don't know a lot of y'all know, but he's involved in our airport and some restaurant service yeah. there, and others. Talk about how that's worked for you or not. <laughs> no, it, it certainly has worked for us uh, from the standpoint not only of, of showcasing your brand in terms of the 20 million visitors that walk through our airport and come visit this beautiful city. It teaches you a different model. And I'm sitting up here learning as you speak. You know, that's a beautiful model you so have going on. You know, I talk to people about operating in the airport and they don't understand that it's a little different than the land side of a restaurant, right? All my inventory has to be checked and go through security. All my knives in the kitchen has to be on a wire so nobody can go in a restaurant while we're not there and take it out and do Lord knows what with. But with that, all your employees have to be bad. So it teaches you to be flexible and, and, and strategize on 
This operation's a little bit different, but it's same in the foundation. We want to groom. We want to create leaders. We want that person that's on the line to rise up to be their lead chef and then the executive chef. And, and you hit it right there. We're in the people business. We want to grow leaders to lead that next restaurant. That's how I was able to open up Chapter 4. It's not that I just said, I want to do another restaurant. I had a great executive chef that said, I want to do something new. And I had a great front-of-the-house manager that said, I'll go along with Gavin. I said, we got an opportunity. Here, guys. Let's, let's go and uh, build this from the ground up. We got a great core and let's get going. But that's who we are in a nutshell is we create those next leaders that push us, right? And I'm still learning from some of my executive chefs and front of house managers of new innovative ways to touch people. I'm very old school. You talk about COVID. I had no social media, right? I didn't have Facebook, MySpace from way back in the day. Now they're on a third iteration of all this stuff. And they said, oh, Miss D, you got to get up to this, Instagram, this. I said, guys, that's your baby. Take off. And they have done a wonderful job. And that's what's keeping us relevant. That's amazing. Well, you, you talked about Chapter 4, which I'm so excited about. Both of you all are braver than me and have opened new concepts since the pandemic. Any differences or things to be learned? And then we'll go back to beyond brick and mortar. Uh, you know, the, the pandemic has brought on a lot of variables. As you talked about, the, the labor force is tough right now, really tough. But it gives us that job to say, how can we be innovative? How can we create that culture where people want to come work for us? Even if they don't want to work the 40 hours a week anymore, how do they want to stay longer? How do they communicate well with the front of the house, the back of the house, and the bar? How do you create that family environment not only with your employees, but now your employees are having that family environment with your guests and your loyal guests that keep coming back and forth. And you create a place for them to want to be there. We have to focus on the culture piece first to make sure it's the right culture for not only our guests, but for our employees, more importantly, for them to want to celebrate whatever they're doing throughout the day. They want to do it right here at Chapter 4. They want to do it right here at Dookie Chase and create that family environment throughout the whole group. Yeah. I used to say, well, I can't exactly go to my board and say culture is up 20%. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's not the most important thing in my business because it is. That's right. So when you get the culture working for you, then you get something going on there. We were talking before about robots. There's actually a restaurant in New Orleans using them. I'm reading some interesting things about them. There's all these different things going on. What do you gentlemen think about some of these ideas? So we're not there on robots yet. I think that's probably going to come in some respects. We don't think about it that way. We think that dining is the last form of live entertainment to evolve. So people used to just go to a restaurant before or after going to do something else culturally relevant or significant, a concert, a play, a comedy show, or an art opening. And I think now they choose to go to restaurants instead of doing those things. They understand the art of it. So I think there will always be that necessity for human creativity and human touch. And I think Technology is going to make us more efficient. I, I see AI making us to, efficient so that we work 30 hours a week instead of 45 hours a week, and we maybe make 20% more money, and we spend more of that time on personal health and wellness and on hospitality, re-engaging with human beings. So I think overall, from a macro standpoint, that's where it's going for us. What we do do with technology, though, is we use software to make things simpler and more lean. For instance, we use a software that scans invoices. And by scanning invoices each week, we can see what we sold. It scans the invoices as to what came in. It tells us what our food cost really was and what it should have been based on what we ordered. 
We always did that before, but we did that by hand. And we probably save 10 or 15 man hours a week just using that one piece of software. We use handhelds so that when you want to close your credit card out, people are in a rush. People have things to do. We can literally close your credit card out immediately at the table as soon as you get there. It doesn't take us two or three minutes, and then we get lost because a guest asks us to do something else. Uh, we also use technology to communicate. Communication is really important. We, get, we take it for granted, particularly having more than one place. We used to just have Sylvain's. You could just have pre-shift, and you covered everybody. But we don't have that anymore now, right? So we use Google Meet, and, and we still have 15-minute check-ins every day. And some people have different off days than others. So you can just record that meeting, and you can share that meeting later. And so technology has allowed us to be much more communicative in a much more efficient way. It used to be we're going to meet at Sylvain at 2 o'clock, and everybody's got to rearrange their plans. You've got to drive down to the quarter. You've got to find a place to park. You know, it's a two, two-and-a-half-hour affair. And if that was an off day, it's not really an off day anymore. Now it's a 45-minute Google Meet, and if it's your off day, just watch the recording when you come back in. And, you know, so it's, it, it's enabled us to be so much more effective with people's time, and that's one of the things that's allowed us to be more productive. And honestly, nobody gets in this business or any business to work an Excel spreadsheet 10, 15 hours a week, right? I mean, let's be honest. But freeing up that 10 or 15 hours allows them to create new recipes. It allows them to entertain guests or to train and develop our team. So that's how I see it being applied effectively in our company. Yeah, I I would agree. Technology just enhances the hospitality. It doesn't take the place of. I will say ChatGPT is going to make our investor reporting a lot more efficient and easier on us, on the three of us, for sure. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Talk about that. I mean, it's a whole different thing. It is a little aggravating to me when people who work for me already say, I'm just going to have ChatGBT write my emails. Okay, well, that just pisses me off. I don't know. What do you it, think? It does, it does. But, the, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, Miss Ella got pissed off that somebody was emailing instead of handwriting that letter, right? And so <laughs> She was pretty hip. It, 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 so, you know, it, it's, it's here, and we just have to learn how to embrace it. It's just like the Internet. It's like it's, it's email. And so what, what I think it does do, again, I think it's always going to require human intervention and human vision and creativity. I just don't see it having the ability to do that, at least not yet. I, I would say, like, we have some old school systems that we can't find a way to really improve on. Like, if you come in the restaurant and there's just a note in the computer that says it's Camille's birthday, maybe that one person sees it. But, you know, so we have a good old form called the short form that you get in triplicate. And that way, there's a copy for the front door, a copy for the kitchen, and a copy... For for Lally or I, one of the you know management teams. So, and I can't find a way to do that any better. And we call it the short form because people in our business are allergic to pen and paper and writing things down anyway. But it just gives you quick little information. So some things. Some things. Right. Nothing will ever replace a handwritten thank you note. Nothing will ever replace a high five in person. Right. I mean, some things right. just. Right. It can't be improved upon. No, right. indeed. Talk about some of these other things. Ghost kitchens. I mean, what other things yeah. are you guys doing? You know, ghost kitchens is, is interesting. When I'd opened up my new restaurant, and it's right in the CBD, I had a friend who operates a restaurant probably within a half a mile radius of it. And he said, man, did you ever think about ghost kitchens? I said, no, tell me a little bit about how it works for you. So this gentleman has a ghost kitchen in his, his normal operation, and he opens this ghost kitchen from, uh, say, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. I know y'all probably said, who's ordering food at that time? But what he enlightened me to was all of the hotels that would close their 24-hour food service at 12 p.m., 
he got all of those customers coming. So he would operate a pizza kitchen. He would operate hamburgers and wings. And he says, the hotel guests are my guests, and we would just deliver. I said, that's smart, but I don't want a phone call at 2.30 on my phone. I got enough already. But that's <laughs> ghost kitchen, that's, that was very smart. And he said that sells more than his normal restaurant between those hours of wow. getting all the hotel guests. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think... I think that's a great example, but I think what you guys are doing with Gold Belly, I think restaurants are finally starting to see themselves, and bars are starting to see themselves as maybe musicians always have, or, or even famous athletes are doing now, where you know margins can be tight in our business, but if you stack on a wine club on top of it, and you're doing Gold Belly, and you're doing merchandise, and you sort of tack on these revenue streams, even though none of them are as significant as selling food and drinks... You don't have any additional expenses. It's just the cost of those goods and services. And, and I think you're starting to see that happen more. So that's something we're working on at LeBlanc Smith. We have Lifted Spirits, which is a cocktail catering company. We're not ready to get into full catering, but we'll certainly do your bar. So you can have Sylvain's Bar or Barrel Proof's Bar at your wedding or at your house party or whatever. And we'll come in with that bar team and those recipes. We're working on a retail program pretty heavily. And it's this idea of integrating good retail opportunities with these excellent hospitality experiences. And so, you know, you think about it, grocery stores are brilliant at this. It's the impulse buy on the way out. It's a pack of bubble gum or it's beef jerky because you think you're being healthy that day. But the idea of creating retail experiences for people to make those kinds of impulse buys because they want to commemorate an amazing memory they had. Think about Dr. Cole, the new president of Loyola, who had a great time with you guys at Commander's Palace, right? He probably, if he had an opportunity to grab a candle from you guys or something, a, a, a frame, a print of an iconic Commander's photo, right. um, he probably does that because yeah. it sears a memory permanently. And, yeah. and that's how we have to start thinking about things. Right. I always said that we're sort of idiot savants. We only do one thing really well. Anyway, but we're working on that. But back to your point real quick, I used to always say, if you come to dinner and you buy a cookbook, I make more money on that. So I think of it as putting a table on top of a table. But talk about how guest expectations or habits have changed and or employees, because they have. Well, one thing for us is like guests, we we talk about all people. LeBlanc Smith creates excellent 21st century Southern hospitality experiences to enable all people to live joyful, balanced, and fulfilling lives. And for us, all people applies. Well done. You did that very well. Thank you very much. It applies to guests and team in equal measure. So the guests are certainly no better than our team, but they're no worse. And the converse is true. Our team is no better than our guests, but they're no worse. And so I think the guests and the team have a better symbiotic relationship particularly post-COVID, I think guests probably appreciate what our team does and has gone through a little bit more. And conversely, I think our team probably appreciate our guests a little bit more because New Orleans was packed right up until the COVID shutdown. And you can take that for granted after a while. And that went away. And it was a tough year and a half. You don't know what you have until you lost it. And so I feel like it has recalibrated the relationship between guests and team members in our experience. Yeah, yeah, I certainly would agree with that. Guests are more knowledgeable. They're more informed of, of, of what they're eating, how it's operating, who should be where, what, and when. And that's encouraging because it, it, it allows you to, to really focus in on what you should be doing, your job should be. Yeah. You know, if that person is informed of how this plate should look, how this fish should be cooked, we need to be doing our job at the highest level. And that's what's always been fascinating for me in the restaurant business is creating that, that memory for people to come in, especially at Dookie's. People come for anniversaries and birthdays and weddings. And you're just 
putting your name in that person's memory. I came for my anniversary, and now Ducky Chase and Chef Duck is etched in your family's memory for as many times as you tell a story about your own anniversary. So I, that, that's one reason why I find this, this industry so fascinating and, and one of the best is because we become memories, a part of somebody's memory that's unrelated to anything that's with me, right? Your birthday, thank you. You had Ducky Chase, and now I'm etched in your 40th birthday. Right. That's the business that we say we're in, creating dining memories. Yeah. But I know, last question, you all came here today to share the secrets of all the new things you have going on and new projects, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's got more. I mean, he's, he's exploding. He's omnipresent. Both of y'all are just on fire, well, so go well, ahead. I, I think you hit the main secret. The main secret is developing people and creating that culture in your restaurant. That, that's what I do. That's my daily basis. I'm a chef, but my main job is to develop the culture of the people that work for me to ensure that each and every guest gets the experience that we want them to get. And, and that is what I do all day. It, it, it happens to be through food, drinks, and, and whatever else, but that's my main focus. You're right. Last word, Robert. We're, we're working on barrel-proof derivative projects in Nashville, Tennessee, Dallas, Texas, other southeastern cities, and we'll do a few more LeBlanc Smith hotels. And we'll always be here, we'll always be based here, but LeBlanc Smith, at its heart, is an, a boutique company. And if you have too many projects in one city, you're not boutique anymore, and you start to crowd out other great boutique places, and sometimes your own. And so we'll always, LeBlanc Smith will be here, but we'll work across other interesting south, southeastern cities. Well, we'll wrap it up there, and you just heard from the future of dining in New Orleans. So thank you all for coming. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village, a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, you can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high-growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups, ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry-leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is, it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by the Young Fellas Brass Band from their new album, Block Party, which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find the Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com. That's fellas with a Z, young F-E-L-L-A-Z brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village, who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time.